Welcome to Questions for the Sages, a podcast from the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Michael Scherer. Today I spoke with Madhuha Das from the Festival of India. The Festival of India travels to Hare Krishna temples throughout North America, providing facilities for various celebrations. He agreed to an interview as we were both preparing for the Holy Festival in Potomac, Maryland. You can hear the Questions for the Sages podcast on questionsforthesages.com, the Questions for the Sages Facebook page, in iTunes, and on YouTube. Thanks again, Madhu Hadas, and thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. Hello and welcome to Questions for the Sages, a podcast from the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Michael Scherer, and today I'm, I'm talking with Madhuha Das. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Madhuha Das. Madhuha, there's an H in there. Madhuha. And uh, Madhuha is a fellow sound man in a little different venue than I usually work in. I, I record the lectures at the, uh, at the temple here. I work in... Um, I've worked in public radio and uh, audiobooks. What is your sound experience? I do sound at all the rathiatras and festivals in North America, uh, university programs uh, that Festival of India goes to. Festival of India is like an outreach, public outreach leg or part of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. How long have you been doing that? Since 1979. We started in uh, July 1979 with the New York Rathiatra. And we've been going to all the Rathiatras and festivals in U.S. and Canada since then. Now, I should just, just say that the, the Rathiatra is, is the sort of cart parade where... Um, um, deities are, are brought out on large um, wagons, carts, yeah, and, and it's like a big public event where they're taken through the streets, right? Yeah, Rathiatra is when Lord Jagannath uh, comes to the public. It's not everybody will come and visit our temples, but the Lord is very merciful. He comes out in public, and he comes out in public Whenever devotees go on Hari Nam, he's fully present in his holy name. But during Rathiatra, he comes along with his brother Baladev and sister Subhadra, and they ride on chariots that are 50 to 60 feet tall, maybe 45 feet in some cities with smaller chariots. And we do that in many cities. Prabhupada started that, he introduced it to the Western world in 1966 in San Francisco. And since then it's been done in many other cities. Were you at the one in San Francisco? Uh, no, no, no. The first one that I went to was in Honolulu, 1975 or 74. But the first one Festival of India went to was 1979 in New York. And how does, how does Festival of India, like, what is the, the role of Festival of India in the Rathiatra event? Uh, when the program started in 1979, our name was called TRYP, T-R-Y-P, which is Traveling Rathiatra Party. 
which devotees understands what that means. But we go to a lot of university programs every year, many universities, and trip was not a name that got you in the door, whereas Festival of India is a much more uh, cultural, politically viable. Uh, it's, a, it's a name more acceptable, Rathiyatra. Most people in the public haven't heard of it. So uh, actually, we're, now our name is the Hare Krishna Festival of India. Uh-huh. You can go online to harikrishnafestivalofindia.org or festivalofindia.org. And uh, the reason we call it Festival of India, although we don't present everything about India, we present the part that Srila Prabhupada gave us about Vaishnava India, the science of Krishna consciousness. And the, at a festival, there's always a stage with kirtan and dramatic performances presenting um, the deep and rich cultural uh, Vedic philosophy that Prabhupada has given us. Uh, fest- the Rathiyatra is a time when there's, whenever there's a Rathiyatra parade, it's always accompanied by kirtan. And in, in this day and age, in Kali Yuga, uh, Sankirtan Jagya is the Jagya, it's the sacrifice of the age. Sankirtan Jagya is the chanting of the, the holy names of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. So when we come in public, there's a very, you know, the courts are very beautiful and colorful and balloons, devotees are dressed in colorful clothes, there's devotees chanting, singing and dancing, and they're, what they're chanting is the holy name. And it's very attractive to people to see all these colors and to see the exhibit. The, uh, the exhibits we have, and once they get to the end of the parade, there's a festival set up. Everything is very colorful. It attracts people. It draws them in. The main thing we want to give them at, the, at these festivals is we want them to hear the holy name of the Lord. We want them to taste Krishna Prasadam. Which is, which is the food. Sanctified foodstuffs, vegetarian foodstuffs that have been offered to the Lord with love and devotion, all vegetarian, of course, and we want them to take home Srila Prabhupada's books. And uh, prasadam will soften their hearts, hearing the holy names will, you know, humble them a little bit. And if they become a little inquisitive, you know, what are you doing here? What's this all about? Oh, you can read, take this book and read something. And if they read just one or two lines in Prabhupada's books, their life can be um, transformed. Have you seen that before? Yeah, many times. I, I've met people in many festivals. I, I One of my favorite booths is the Changing Bodies booth, where we have a diorama, and we usually have a table selling, distributing Bhagavad Gita's there, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita as it is. And I've met many people at festivals where... Uh, Yes, the Bhagavad Gita is my favorite booth for changing bodies where we distribute the Gitas. Met many people, oh, you know, I got one of these books 15 years ago, and, you know, after reading it, I became a vegetarian, and, you know, this has changed my life. It put them on a different course. And not just people, I mean, devotees that you meet. Devotees will tell you the same thing. They they first heard about Krishna consciousness at a 
at a Rathiyatra festival or, or they met devotees on a university campus. We've done several campuses in this area, um, American University, George Washington University, uh, University of Maryland, College Park, and also Baltimore County, Towson. And when you, when uh, devotees present, when they offer the teachings that Srila Prabhupada has given us, it's, uh, it, it's not just a routine or something we do to keep us busy. When, when a devotee is out giving like this, it's, it's changing people's lives. And it's not always something very tangible. You can't, like, count it, you know, what did, what did you accomplish today? But sometimes, years later, you meet, you meet people that, you know, they tasted the prasadam, they got one of Prabhupada's books, and, you know, if they first might have come, just well, what is that song they're singing? Just the same words over and over again. They're a little inquisitive. This is the beginning of spiritual life, to be inquisitive, to ask questions. Why? Why, why, why are you doing that? That's how spiritual life begins, when, when we ask questions. Who am I? Why are we here? Why am I forced to grow old? Have you noticed a... a um has there been a variation sort of over time from when you first started doing the Rathiyatras up until today? Like, is there a sort of uh, uh, change in the moods of the crowd or the receptivity of the people over that uh, 40 or 50 years? I think people are more receptive now than ever. That, that's, really? that's been my experience. I mean, now... Uh, it's not as easy to distribute a paper book in print. Now they, you know, do you have the, can I get it on the internet? Yeah. They want to download it somewhere, which is okay too. You can get all Prabhupada's books on the internet. We, we still prefer to give them a paper book, something they can put in their hand and, and just touch it and look at the pictures in it. Uh, but no, people, people want to hear the philosophy. I mean, some of the devotees may have changed. Some of the devotees may not be as enthusiastic to preach now as they were when they were, you know, young men first joining, and they were very overly enthusiastic. But uh, the people out in the material world, they're, they're suffering just as much as in the past. When people are suffering in the material world, they're they're ripe. They're they're prime. They're like they're like they're they're fertile. It's it's a very fertile ground out there for preaching. Or nowadays, I guess what's the word now? Preaching is not there. You're sharing and uh, reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. The 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 lingo has changed a bit. Yeah. Yeah, the preaching sounds you know it's like it sounds uh, paternalistic maybe. Yeah. Something like that. So, how did you uh, end up here? Like, do you remember your your first uh, encounter with the Hare Krishnas? Oh, with devotees. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was in. Uh, oh, how I met devotees. Yeah. Uh, I was living in Honolulu. Well, I for, first saw devotees when I was about 14 years old. I was at a festival in New York called Woodstock. You might have heard yeah, of that. Yeah. And devotees there were ch in an intermission. They were 
chanting. I think it was 19... There was a few devotees there. Was this on the stage? Uh, I can't remember if it was on the stage, but there was something there. But I, I first saw devotees later in uh, 1972 in uh, Hawaii, in Honolulu. Uh -huh. And uh, I saw devotees chanting on the street there. And then around two or three months later, I was on the island of Maui, and I met devotees there. They had a, they said there's a free Sunday program, and I went to that, and that's where I met devotees. And was it love at first sight, or were you, were you, did you have some trepidation, or, or how, how did you respond to this? I, I wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to understand it, and one of the devotees gave me a Bhagavad Gita then. It was a small purple-covered book with the, the foreword from Allen Ginsberg. I think it, it's still available now. BBT still has that edition. And I started reading the book. I couldn't understand anything. You know, the field of activities and Kurukshetra. I didn't really have any understanding of it. But then I started going off and and the devotees were vegetarian, they were peaceful, uh, they worked hard, they had a small farm there. And uh, I had gone to other yoga groups and a zendo, and I, I sensed that what they were doing, it wasn't uh, so genuine. They were doing something in public, but then, like, as soon as the meditation finished, they run into the kitchen and, you know, what do we got, you know? And mm -hmm. with devotees, they had a very, they were like living, they were walking the walk, or walking the talk. They were saying they to do this and do that. You know, they would eat only food that they offered. They didn't, you know, I, I stayed with the devotees for some time there. There was a devotee named Govardhan mm -hmm. who was in Maui. And I just made friends with them. I think when you're friends, if you make friends with a devotee, you will become a devotee. Hmm. So as, as, as aspiring devotees, all of us should make friends with as many people as we can. And as long as you become a devotee, then that's, that's the best thing you can do for them. Become a devotee yourself, and that will help them along. At what point did you decide that this was uh, going to be a, a life decision? Like you were going to be a Hare Krishna? Uh, in about April, early April, I think it was, in 1972, I was, uh, the devotees told me that Srila Prabhupada was coming to Honolulu. And I should go to Honolulu to see him because all the devotees from Kauai, Maui, the Big Island, everyone was going to Honolulu to see Prabhupada. Prabhupada was coming to Honolulu to install the first Panchatattva in the Western world. And uh, the Panchatattva is Panchatattva is Lord Chaitanya and his four associates. And Lord, and these. Um, were personalities who lived in West Bengal in the 1500s? Yeah. Okay. They, they, Lord Chaitanya, Nityananda, Sri Adwaita, Gadadhar, and Srivas. And, and um, Srila Prabhupada was doing what? He was installing uh, deities that represent these five transcendental personalities. 
Lord Chaitanya is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself, Krishna, who appeared uh, about 530 or 40 years ago. And Lord Nityananda is none other than Balaram, who's on the altar here in Potomac in the form of Baladev. And Sri Adwaita is also um, uh, Vishnu Tattva, he's the energy of God. And then Gadadhar and Srivas were the, the energy of the, the Lord. And Prabhupada was installing these deities in Honolulu, which means installing deities means there's a form of a deity that's made out of uh, stone or uh, paint or metal. And uh, a pure devotee does uh, jagya, a fire sacrifice, um, a special uh, ceremony, and the pure devotee calls upon the Supreme Lord, please come into this form and accept our service in that way. The Lord appears in his deity form, which is called Sri Vigraha. Vigraha is a form of the Lord. He appears in that form so we can offer service to him. So Prabhupada was coming to Honolulu for that purpose. And so I went to Honolulu. Those days it was just like $25 to fly from one island to the other. Hmm. So I went there and you know, I, uh, I went with the devotees to uh, the Honolulu airport where Prabhupada was arriving. And you know, there was kirtan playing through the loudspeaker at the airport. It was a very big thing. The devotees had set this up. There was, I think, about 100, 150 devotees there in Hawaii that were in the airport waiting for Prabhupada. And then the, we were all in the international terminal. And first some devotees came through, and I'm looking, that doesn't look like them. You know, it was some white body devotees. And then finally Prabhupada came, and he's, uh, he was shorter than the others. He looked, you know, he, he was shorter, but he seemed very big, very special person. And so that was the first time I saw him. And then at the temple, he stayed in Honolulu for at least a week, maybe 10 days. And at the temple, there was the installation ceremony. And one devotee took sannyas. And that uh, means he became a renounced monk? Yeah, he became fully renounced celibate for life. His name was uh, Siddha Sarup. I think Prabhupada gave him the name Siddha Sarupananda Goswami. And uh, he's still in Hawaii now. I'm not sure if he's still a sannyas, but he's still in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And uh, two other devotees were initiated that day, uh, Radha Jivan and Radha Krishnadas and Jivan Krishnadas. Were you there for these? Uh... Yeah, yeah, that was the first time I saw a f fire sacrifice and and. Uh, and they, the devotees went on Harinam often. Uh -huh. In Honolulu, they would go on Harinam. And did you, were you, did you go with them? Yeah, I was invited, and then I just moved in the temple there and never left. Hmm. That was... And how was it? Like, um, was it hard? Was it um, a lot of fun? What was, what was the experience of moving in to it a was, temple like uh, that? a new experience, living with... Uh, sadhus. Hmm. The devotees were the devotees of Krishna are special. They they actually practice some um, uh, austerities that are not common in the material world. Like what? 
I mean, no intoxication. They don't even drink coffee or you know eat, eat mushrooms and onions and garlic. Even even being vegetarian, they not just vegetarian, but they avoid certain things. They don't eat chocolate. They don't uh, smoke cigarettes or, or anything else that's commonly smoked, and they don't get intoxicated. Most people in this world, they they intoxication is so common, either alcohol or drugs or uh, just drinking coffee. That's you know, or drinking tea, all kinds of caffeine. And Prabhupada just said, my my disciples don't do that, so they didn't do it. So I I always heard that the, the devotees don't do this. Well, why not? Prabhupada said that, and I said well, this Prabhupada, well, he, he's pretty special. You know, he's an old man from India, but all these young Americans, educated people, the devotees are men, you know, most of them are educated. They're like, you know, I didn't have much of an education. I met the devotees when I was 16 or 17. So, uh, but many of the devotees, they're very educated, but yet they're listening to this old Indian gentleman. So I wanted to find out, what does he have? What's so special when you start to read his books and you see his library he left 60 or 70 full full-sized volumes of transcendental literature not just translations but the Bhaktivedanta purports which explain everything and he started writing these things when he was in his 60s but when most men they want to like you know relax retire for life you know get you know make sure they have uh, you know, a comfortable place to live, and things are taken care of. But Prabhupada gave up everything, and he he, did, he was came to America on the order of his spiritual master, just to deliver Krishna consciousness to conditioned souls who didn't have anything. So the, when you just open his books, each purport is like, where did that come from? You know, how long did you live in the temple there? I was in Honolulu, and then on, I was on the farm on the Big Island for some time, but from 72 until uh, maybe June of 1979, and then I left there. Uh, the, per the person who was in charge in Hawaii, I was still a brahmachari, and uh, which I, is brahmachari means a celibate student. Mm -hmm. The devotees of Krishna, they don't have like boyfriends and girlfriends. They're either a brahmachari, single woman or a single man, or else they decide to get married at some point and then they associate with one particular person of the opposite gender and they get married. But there's no like like dating games and all these kind of things. Uh, that's not generally anyway among devotees. Mm -hmm. So in 1979, I was still a brahmachari. I was uh, about 24 or 25 at the time. And uh, I wanted to go somewhere else besides Hawaii. And so they rec he rec my uh, devotee named Gorsundar, who was the first GBC there in Hawaii, he recommended that I go to Africa with Brahmananda. And so I went to New York to meet Brahmananda, and I ended up getting there a week or two before the first Rathiatra of the traveling Rathiatra party. 
And um, could you just uh, briefly say who Brahmananda is? Brahmananda was one of Prabhupada's first disciples. He took sannyas uh, very early. Uh, he was one of the first, maybe not the first, but he was one of the early sannyasis. He spent a lot of time preaching in Africa and uh, India, U.S., and he was going back and forth to Africa at the time. And so he was going to be in New York. Brahmananda, uh, he passed away a few years ago. He's no longer with us. Uh, but he did a lot of service for Prabhupada, spreading Krishna consciousness on the African continent. And so you, your, your first experience as Festival of India was in Africa? No, no, no. I, I went to New York to meet Brahmananda. Uh-huh. I met him, and it was all arranged. We were, he was going to leave. I gave him my passport, and we were going to leave to Africa like a few days after Rathiatra in New York. But while I was in New York, I, I was uh, drafted into the, the Rathiatra party. Oh. Some devotees, this, this program, Traveling Rathiatra Party, had just started... Uh, maybe six months earlier, and they were building all these exhibits, and the first big festival was going to be New York Rathiatra, 1979, and they needed help. So I was a brahmachari without any engagement, so, yeah, come on, let's go. And, and it was working, you know, 24 hours a day for three or four days to get ready for this festival. And then after the festival, uh, I went to see Brahmanand, and he said, Sorry, you can't go. <laughs> you were just drafted. So, mm. so I didn't know what that meant back then, but you know, it means that uh, you're doing this. Right. And, that's you your know, service. Yeah, yeah, that's your service. And as brahmacharis, that's we were, we were all trained to, you know, what we, Prabhupada gave us a system of authority. If Prabhupada asked somebody to do something, or if someone that Prabhupada asked to do it asked you, it's like, if that's my, you take, this is my authority, and I, we follow what comes from authority. When we got an instruction, we took it as, oh, this is Prabhupada's representative telling us, and he's Krishna's representative. So, this wasn't something I started on my own, out of my own right, you know, inspiration. Right, right. But that was, that was 1979. Yeah. And then, um, then did you begin traveling all over the country? That for the plan for this program, when it was first started, the plan was that, uh, to back up a little bit, okay. there's a devotee, some, some you may have heard of, named Jayananda Prabhu. He is one of, one of Prabhupada's early disciples, joined in San Francisco. He helped Prabhupada do the first Rathiyatra in San Francisco, and he, he enthused hundreds or thousands of devotees. And Jayananda always had a dream that there would be a Rathiyatra festival that just went from city to city. It would never end, because Rathiyatra is such a blissful experience for devotees. You don't, you don't want it to end. You wish, you wish this would just go forever. So Jayananda always had a dream. He wished that he wanted there to be a festival that would go from city to city to city, so the bliss would never stop. He'd always say, "The bliss, I'm in bliss." <laughs> so the bliss would never stop. So the idea of traveling Rathiatra party was that 
that would serve the needs of all the temples in North America. Because all the equipment for the festival, the tents, the exhibits, the sound system, the e equipment is, it's not, it, it's, uh, it's expensive. So you've told me about the dream of yeah. the, the traveling um, uh, festival of India. So what happened? Well, Jayananda wanted this, and uh, there's some a few devotees. One is named Devi Deva Prabhu. You may have heard of him. He lives in Philadelphia now. And another devotee named Charu. He's the one who runs this big temple in Spanish Fork, Utah. And he does the Colors Festival. He's the one who started it in North America. And they put together a plan to have exhibits and chariots that come apart, they mm. become disassembled and reassemble. They put together a plan how this is how we can do it. And they went to the, the GBC, this uh, governing body that manages Prabhupada's mission, and they requested some funding to help make this project work. This was in 78 and earlier. And they got some funding, probably, you know, a third of what they needed, or a small portion, but they got enough. So it was clearly Krishna wanted this to happen. Because if, if, if no resources come, then it's like, well, Krishna, oh, yeah, what you Krishna didn't want it. So, but they had a plan, and then the resources came, and the men came, manpower came, and, and you were part of the manpower. I, I was drafted in New York, but they already had it all. They had it all put together. You know, they had a whole plan and design, and they put. And, and where together. did you fit into the, that plan? Uh, they had the plan. They were a little short on manpower. Okay. And they just they just needed some help. I was just some guy that Brahmachari happened to be in New York, and they said, "Hey, we need help. Let's go." So yeah. I want to do some devotional service, but then uh, they kept me. So. Okay, so now we have, you've brought us to the beginning of the Festival of India, really. But I would imagine that that's just the beginning of the story, of everything that's happened since then. There must be a, a, a lot of events. Events, yeah there's, yeah, there's 12 or 15 Rathiyatras every year, the first maybe 10 or 15 years, and then you keep doing it. The nature of devotional service, it's kind of like, uh, you know, chanting japa. We chant 16 rounds every day, and sometimes the end of the day you can't, you know, it's not like, did I make any progress today? You, know, you just do a little bit every day. You know, it's like, taking vitamins, you take a little bit, you don't feel really great when you do it, but you're getting exercise, you do a little bit every day. So the nature of devotional service is you have some service, and you do it. And it's, if it's a service that you know Prabhupada is pleased with, he, he provides what we need. Bhagavad Gita 9.22, Krishna says, you, you worship him with devotion, and he... he uh, he preserves what we have, and He carries what we lack. If we're lacking some facility, He, he sees what you need, and he, he sends you whatever you need. So, 
we were doing 10, 12 Rathiatras every year. You know, the same, you know, the big cities, LA, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, uh, Denver, uh, San Francisco. Uh, Washington, D.C. was doing Rathiatra every year. And you do it, and then over the winter, we were doing university programs, mostly in Southern California and uh, Arizona, and just doing study programs, and uh, it was, it's a struggle to maintain it. And then after some time, then, you know, you just keep doing it, and Krishna sends some more facility. He sends some people. He sends manpower. And the program now, it's its not just, it's a preaching program. I mean, it, it serves, it distributes a lot of books, every festival we go to. But uh, even more than that, uh, every summer we take 15 to 18 young men with us, uh, mostly second-generation devotees. And it's an opportunity for them to practice Krishna consciousness. Uh, many second-generation devotees here, they, they don't, they're not always so sure where they fit in. You know, my parents were devotees, this wasn't my choice. They kind of like the culture of Krishna consciousness, but uh, when it comes down to actual sacrifice, they might not be there yet. Hmm. Like, sacrifice, we all like the culture of Krishna consciousness. You like the prasadam, the kirtans are big and exciting, and it's all nice. But the, the jagya is like uh, chanting 16 rounds of japa. When no one's looking over your shoulder, you know, that's just, it's between Krishna and me. Mm. Am I doing this as Krishna? That's something that, it, it's a, a, a little step beyond we're accepting the culture and like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to invest my time every day in cultivating that relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And when these youth come, I have, there's many young men that travel with us, and they get to feel like part of the Krishna Consciousness movement. They're doing something that's serving devotees, mm. helping to set up the uh, Vaikuntha atmosphere. Vaikuntha. Uh, Vaikuntha is a word for uh, an area in the spiritual world part of the spiritual world where Vaikuntha means no anxiety. In this material world, most of us have a little anxiety. There most of us have a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. But we have, even if you think you're doing really good and you got everything covered, you always have a little anxiety because something you got covered, you might lose it. You know, and maybe if it's the health or the job or something, anything could happen. So, when you go to a festival, that's where, as Jayananda said, you feel, I'm feeling the bliss. You know, when you go to a festival and there's just like, there's prasadam and there's kirtan and everyone's singing and dancing. Festivals are a time when, you know, whatever, wherever you're at in your personal life and even relationships among devotees, sometimes they may be a little strained, but when you go to a festival, it's like, we're all just here to chant, you know, chant and chant and dance and be happy. Chant and be happy. And to be relieved of anxiety in a in a in some sense too, right? Yeah, to be relieved to remember that there's 
there's part of her life that doesn't have anxiety. And that's the Krishna conscious part. So, so have you been doing this continually since 1979? Uh, well, we're on the road five or six months every year, uh, like actually going to the festivals. And over the winter, uh, I, I spend most of the winter either rebuilding, refurbishing exhibits, and uh, writing to people. We, I, I have, we have a newsletter we send out from Festival of India, uh, telling people what we're doing and uh, letting them know what we're doing and letting them know that we're, uh, we're available to graciously accept whatever help they can send to help us with it. Like, we needed a, a van a few years ago. We needed Ambarish Prabhu, Prabhupada's disciple, uh, has been one of Festival of India's major supporters. He purchased a van for us in uh, 1998, and we got like 380,000 miles out of that vehicle. And a few years ago, uh, I wanted to replace it. It was like 16, 18 years old. We wanted to replace it, so I sent a letter out and that you know we need you know 30,000, 35,000 for a van, and you know we were getting you know, a few hundred dollars here and there. And then uh, one gentleman in Charlotte said, I got a van for you, come down and pick it up. He, he gave us a van. It, it wasn't a brand new one, but he gave us a van that we used it last year. Mm-hmm. And, in the, and then over the next six months, uh, we received donations. So this year we have a new van. But last year, you know, we needed a van, so Krishna sent a van. You know, and it, it worked. It worked fine last year. So we write to people, let them know what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much full time for me. And my sense is that it, you, you've you've found this to be fulfilling. Yeah, it's a it's a service that uh, I I'm, I think Srila Prabhupada is pleased with the results of the service. I don't know if he's pleased with me and my all my personal defects and faults, but at least this particular service, I think he's happy with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at a festival, there's chanting, there's dancing, there's prasadam distribution, there's book distribution, so there's there's a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. As a brahmachari, I always used to pray to Prabhupada and Lord Chaitanya, please give me some service that the actual service is Krishna conscious rather than, you know, well, I'm going to go out and have a job and, you know, I'll, I'll give 10% to the temple. Or right. According to our books, we're supposed to give 50%, you know, according to Rupa Goswami's principle. But, you know, who can do that these days? You know, uh, we're supposed to do it. But so I always prayed that I wanted to have some kind of service, that the service itself would be. Krishna conscious devotional service, something that I didn't have to think, well, I'm doing this so I can get money to make a donation mm-hmm. to the temple. or. And you feel like it, it, that prayer was answered? Oh, yeah, absolutely it was answered. Yeah, that's why I, I, until, until I uh, get kicked out or something, <laughs> right. leave my body, I, I, I want to do it. Uh-huh. So, and what's your favorite part of the festival? 
like when you go, where do you where do you gravitate to? What where do you find the most enjoyment? Uh, I think the the most fun at a festival is answering someone's questions. I'm not so good at these kind of questions you're asking, but or any question. I'm not good at any of it. But when when people come to a festival that have never heard about Krishna consciousness before and they're asking questions, especially like in front of these dioramas we have, like changing bodies booth, mm -hmm. and they, you know, what's this, what, what is this all about? And you explain to him how the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, and similarly into another body at the time of death. Self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. And other Gita, verses from the Gita uh, that explain that we, the, we are the soul, the person, the living entity within the body. The body is a vehicle. It's just like a car. You know, when, you, when you're at a, driving your car, no one says, I car. You know, it's no, it's my car. So mm. explaining to people how they are different. And do you see that sort of rec like they're sort of like they grok it when you when you're explaining it? Like yeah. that's the that's the thrill of seeing somebody get it. Yeah, yeah. When they get it, Cause at first it's like, what are you what are you talking about? Don't you you keep explaining like you know, Prabhupada was they were talking to children. You know, put your finger on your knee, put your finger on your ear, put your finger on that, put your finger on yourself, and you know, they, they point to the heart sometimes. When people finally understand, oh, actually, yeah, the body is mine. I am not the body, but the body is mine. Hmm. Like there's, uh, when people finally get it, and then they want to take the book, and they, they really take an interest to it. Or e even just something like the vegetarian booth. And that's very interesting booth there because you meet so many people. Well, you need you need meat to be healthy. You know, I mean, you have to. If you want to be strong, you have to eat a lot of meat. You know, but then you read through this vegetarianism exhibit. We have it clearly. There, there's great athletes, big athletes that have been vegetarian since birth. And then when they read about how meat eating is directly caused to so many, uh, directly has been shown to be a direct cause to different types of heart disease, you know, cancers, colon cancer, all kinds of things like that. People, it, you have a positive effect on their life. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think um, this is, that's a great note to end this interview, having a positive effect on their life. Um, it's a... Um, it's a beautiful thought, and uh, tomorrow we'll be celebrating Holi in uh, at the uh, temple in Potomac, Maryland. And you'll be here; I'll be here uh, running the sound. We'll be working together, and uh, it has been a pleasure to meet you. And, and I really appreciate your sitting for this interview. Hare Krishna. Um, you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thanks again to Madhuha Das for being on the podcast. I would also like to thank Ananda Vrindavaneshwari Devidasi, the ISKCON of DC Temple President, for helping with guests for the show. 
and Rico Hayes for the theme music, and Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Also again, thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this all possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. Thank you.